you're the kind of person that likes to look great at a party or just in the office without spending a fortune for a good pair of jeans or clothes, then Distilled might be the right option for you. Distilled offers premium denim and essentials at an affordable price. Their products cost just a third, one third, of what other premium brands charge because Distilled refuses to work with middlemen, bringing savings directly to you. So they utilize the same fabrics, the same factories, and the same wash houses that the best brands and designers use, but they skip the markups and they skip the middlemen, and so the result is pure, unadulterated denim without the retail runaround. Distilled has been featured in Forbes, Times, and TechCrunch, as well as on denim-clad celebrities in GQ and Men's Health. They have a 100% fit guarantee offering free shipping and returns until you find the perfect pair. I mean, what's not to love about that? So, of course, I wouldn't be talking about Distilled if I didn't have uh, a great promo for you. So just go to dstld.com and use promo code ASMR in all caps, to get 10% off your first purchase. So again, that's dstld.com. Promo code ASMR at checkout. Once you sort of add something to your cart and you're checking out on the right side, um, there is a, a box that says something like apply coupon or apply discount. Click on it, type in ASMR, boom, 10% off, no problems. That simple. So again, great products, great price, and you're getting a discount. And if you don't love it, free shipping, free returns, the whole shebang. Um, really, really cool stuff. So, again, dstld.com, promo code ASMR to get 10% off. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode, I think it's 156 of Sleep and Relax ASMR. So, um, this was a request that I got, um, I think it was a few weeks ago at this point, to read the Wikipedia page for H.P. Lovecraft. So that means we're going to be doing an ASM article. And the focus of the ASM article will be H.P. Lovecraft. For those of you unfamiliar with the series, I basically uh, pick a person or an event or a place um, that kind of pops up on Wikipedia, and we read about it, and we learn something new together. And for some of you, it'll be so boring, it just puts you to sleep, and that's okay too. Again, this one was a request from a fan, so I'm happy that uh, I'm finally able to to get to it. And if anything, I'm sorry for taking so long to actually um, read H.P. Lovecraft's Wikipedia page. I may trim it. Uh, because there's quite a bit of uh, content on his Wikipedia page, but um, let's just let's just get into it and um, and we'll uh, we'll see how far we go. Howard Phillips Lovecraft, August twentieth, eighteen ninety through March fifteenth, nineteen thirty seven, was an American author who achieved posthumous fame through his influential works of horror fiction. He was virtually unknown and published only in pulp magazines before he died in poverty, but he is now regarded as one of the most significant 20th century authors in his genre. Lovecraft was born in Providence, Rhode Island, where he spent most of his life. Among his most celebrated tales are The Call of Tulu, 
Sorry, I'm, I'm not familiar with how to pronounce that. And the shadow over Innsmouth, both canonical to the Chu mythos. Mythos, mythos. Lovecraft was never able to support himself from earnings as an author and editor. He saw commercial success increasingly elude him in his late latter period, partly because he lacked the confidence and drive to promote himself. He subsisted in progressively strained circumstances in his last years. An inheritance was completely spent by the time by the time that he died at age forty six. So pretty difficult uh, life for H.P. Lovecraft. Early life. Family. Lovecraft was born on August 20th, 1890, in his family family home at 194, later 456, Angle Street in Providence, Rhode Island. The house was demolished in 1961. He was the only child of Winfield Scott Lovecraft, 1853 through 1898, a traveling salesman of jewelry and precious metals, and Sarah Susan Phillips Lovecraft, 1857 through 1921 who could trace her ancestry to the Massachusetts Bay Colony in 1631. Both of his parents were of entirely English ancestry, and most of his ancestors had been in New England since the colonial period. His great-grandfather, Joseph Lovecraft Jr., emigrated to Rochester, New York, from Devon, England, in 1831. I think it's Devon, England, maybe. Lovecraft's father became acutely psychotic in 1893, when Lovecraft was three, and he was placed in the Providence Psychiatric Institution institution of Butler Hospital, where he remained until his death in 1898. Lovecraft maintained throughout his life that his father died in a condition of paralysis brought on by nervous exhaustion. It has been suggested that his father's mental illness may have been caused by syphilis, but neither Lovecraft nor his mother, who also died in Butler Hospital, seemed to have shown signs of being infected with the disease. After his father's hospitalization, Lovecraft was raised by his mother, his, maternals, his maternal aunts Lillian Delora Phillips and Annie Emmeline Phillips, and his maternal grandfather, Whipple Van Buren Phillips, an American businessman. All five resided together in the family home. Lovecraft was a prodigy, Reciting poetry at the age of three and writing complete poems by six, his grandfather encouraged his reading, providing him with classics such as One Thousand and One Nights, Thomas Bullfinch, Bullfinch's Age of Fable, and children versions of the Iliad and the Odyssey. His grandfather also stirred the boy's interest in the weird by telling him his own original tales of gothic horror. Upbringing Lovecraft was frequently ill as a child, and he barely attended school until he was eight years old because of his sickly condition, and was withdrawn after a year. He read voracious, ver, voracious, voracious. I forget how to pronounce that word. He read vor, voraciously during this period and became especially enamored of chemistry and astronomy. He produced several hectographed publications with a limited circulation, beginning in 1899 with the Scientific Gazette. Four years later, he returned to public school at Hope High School. Beginning in his early life, Lovecraft is believed to suffer from sleep paralysis, a form of parasomnia. He believed himself to be assaulted at night by horrific night gaunts. 
much of his later work is thought to have been directly inspired by these terrors. His grandfather's death in 1904 greatly affected Lovecraft's life. Mismanagement of his estate left his family in a poor financial situation, and they were forced to move into much smaller accommodations at 1598, now a duplex at 1598-600 Angle Street. He is said to have suffered in 1908 prior to his high school graduation, what he later discovered as a nervous breakdown, and consequently never received his high school diploma. S.T. Josh suggests in his biography of Lovecraft that a primary cause for his breakdown was his difficulty in higher mathematics, a subject that he needed to master to become a professional astronomer. Adulthood. Reclusion. The adult Lovecraft was gaunt with dark eyes, set in a very pale face. He rarely went out before nightfall. For five years after leaving school, he lived an isolated existence with his mother, primarily writing poetry without seeking employment or new social contacts. This changed in 1913 when he wrote a letter to the pulp magazine Argosy, complaining about the insipidness, insipidness, insipidness of the love stories in the publication by writer Fred Jackson. The ensuing debate in the magazine's letters column caught the eye of Edward F. Doss, president of the United Amateur Press Association, who invited Lovecraft to join the organization in 1914. In April 1917, Lovecraft tried to join the National Guard, but did not pass the physical examination. Writing The United Amateur Press Association, UAPA, reinvigorated Lovecraft and incited, incited him to contribute many poems and essays. In 1916, his first published story, The Alchemist, appeared in the United Amateur Press Association. The earliest commercially published work came in 1922, when he was 31. By this time, he had begun to build what became a huge network of correspondence. His lengthy, lengthy and frequent missives would make him one of the great letter writers of the century. Among his correspondents were Robert Block, Psycho, Clark Ashton Smith, and Robert E. Howard, Conan the Barbarian. The series. Many former aspiring authors later paid tribute to his mentoring and encouragement through the correspondence. Um, oh, where did I leave off here? Death of Mother. In 1919, after suffering from hysteria and depression for a long period of time, Lovecraft's mother was committed to Butler Hospital, the mental institution where her husband had died. Nevertheless, she wrote frequent letters to Lovecraft, and they remained close until her death on May 24, 1921, the result of complications from gallbladder surgery. Marriage and New York A few days after his mother's death, Lovecraft attended a convention of amateur journalists in Boston, Massachusetts, where he met and became friendly with Sonia Green, a widow and owner of a successful hat shop and seven years his senior. Lovecraft's aunts disapproved of the relationship. Lovecraft and Green married on March 3, 1924, and relocated to her Brooklyn apartment at 793 Flatbush Avenue. She thought he needed to get out of Providence in order to flourish and was willing to support him financially. Green, who had been married before, later said Lovecraft had performed satisfactory as a lover, though she had to take the initiative in all aspects of the relationship. 
she attributed Lovecraft's passion, passive nature, to to a stultifying upbringing by his mother. Lovecraft's weight increased to 90 kilograms, 200 pounds, on his wife's home cooking. Jesus, so he was a he, he really ballooned there for a while. He was enthralled by New York, and in what was formerly dubbed the Calum Club, he acquired a group of encouraging intellectual and literary friends who urged him to submit stories to Weird Tales editor Edward Edwin Baird. Excuse me, stories to Weird Tales editor Edwin Baird Baird accepted many otherworldly dream cycle Lovecraft stories for the ailing publication, though they were heavily criticized by a section of the readership. Established informally some years before Lovecraft lived in New York, the core Calum Club members were boys' adventure novelist Henry Everett McNeil, the lawyer and anarchist writer James Fernand Morton Jr., and the poet Reinhard Kleiner. On New Year's Day of 1925, Sonia moved to Cleveland for a job opportunity, and Lovecraft left Flatbush for a small first-floor apartment on 169 Clinton Street at the edge of Red Hook a location which came, to dis- which came to discomfort him greatly. Later that year, the Calum Club's four regular attendees were joined by Lovecraft, along with protege Frank Belknap-Long, bookseller George Willer Kirk, and Lovecraft's close friend Samuel Loveman. Loveman was Jewish, but was unaware of Lovecraft's nativist attitudes. Conversely, it had been suggested that Lovecraft, who disliked mention of sexual matters, was unaware that Loveman and some of his other friends were homosexual. Financial Difficulties Not long after the marriage, Green lost her business and her assets disappeared in a bank failure. She also became ill. Lovecraft made efforts to support his wife through regular jobs, but his lack of previous work experience meant he lacked proven marketable skills. After a few unsuccessful spells as a low-level clerk, his job-seeking became desultory. The publisher of Weird Tales attempted to put the Lost Making Magazine on a business footing and offered the job of, of editor to Lovecraft, who declined, citing his reluctance to relocate to Chicago. Think of the tragedy of such a move for an aged antiquarian, the 34-year-old writer declared. Baird was replaced with Farnsworth Wright, whose writing Lovecraft had criticized. Lovecraft's submissions were often rejected by Wright. This may have been partially due to censorship guidelines imposed in the aftermath of a weird tale story that hinted at necrophilia, although after Lovecraft's death, Wright accepted many of the stories he had originally rejected. Brooklyn Green, moving where the work was, relocated to Cincinnati and then to Cleveland. Her employment required constant travel, added, added to the daunting reality of failure in a city with a large immigration population. immigrant population. Lovecraft's single-room apartment at 169 Clinton Street in Brooklyn, in Brooklyn Heights, not far from the working-class waterfront neighborhood Red Hook, was burgled, leaving him with only the clothes he was wearing. In August 1925, he wrote The Horror at Red Hook, and he, in the latter of which the narrator says, my coming to New York had been a mistake, for whereas I had been looked for poignant wonder and inspiration, I had found instead only a sense of horror and oppression which threatened to master, paralyze, and annihilate me. It was around this time he wrote the outline for The Call of Tulu. I'm so sorry, I don't know how to pronounce that. I should have looked it up before. With its theme of the insignificance of all humanity. Um, 
his bibli bibliographical study of in the bibliographical study of H.P. Lovecraft against the world against life, uh, author Mitchell Hulebeck suggested that the misfortunes fed Lovecraft's central motivation as a writer, which he said was racial resentment. With a weekly allowance, Green sent Lovecraft moved to a working class area of Brooklyn Heights, where he subsided in a tiny apartment. Subsisted in a tiny apartment. He had been for, he had lost forty pounds, eighteen kilograms of body weight by nineteen twenty six when he left for Providence. Last years. Throughout his life, selling stories and paid literary work for others did not provide enough to cover Lovecraft's basic expenses. He lived frugally, subsisting on an inheritance that was nearly depleted by the time of his last years. He sometimes went without food to avoid the cost of mailing letters. Eventually, he was forced to move to meager lodgings with his surviving aunt. He was also deeply affected by the suicide of his correspondent, Robert E. Howard. In early 1937, Lovecraft was diagnosed with cancer of the small intestine and suffered from malnutrition as a result. He lived in constant pain until his death on March 15, 1937, in Providence. In accordance with his lifelong scientific curiosity, he kept a diary of his illness until close to the moment of his death. Themes. Several themes recur in Lovecraft stories. First one I see here, first section I suppose is forbidden knowledge. Forbidden dark, uh, veiled knowledge is a central theme in many of Lovecraft's works. Many of his characters are driven by curiosity or scientific endeavor, and in many of his stories, the knowledge they uncover proves Promethean in nature, either filling the seeker with regret for what they have learned, destroying them psychologically, or completely destroying the person who holds the knowledge. Some critics argue that this theme is a reflection of Lovecraft's contempt of the world around him, causing him to search inwardly for knowledge and inspiration. Non-Human Influences on Humanity the beings of Lovecraft's mythos often have human servants. Cthulhu, for instance, is worshipped under various names by cults, among both the Greenlandic Inuit and voodoo circles of Louisiana, and in many other parts of the world. These worshippers served a useful narrative purpose for Lovecraft. Many beings of the mythos were too powerful to be defeated by human opponents, and so horrific that direct knowledge of them meant, meant insanity for the victim. When dealing with such beings, Lovecraft needed a way to provide exposition and build tension without bringing the story to a premature end. Human followers gave him a way to reveal information about their gods in a diluted form, and also made it possible for the protagonist to win paltry victories. Lovecraft, like his contemporaries, Envision savages as close to supernatural knowledge unknown to civilized men. Third theme is inherited guilt. Another recurring theme in Lovecraft stories is the idea that descendants in a bloodline can never escape the stain of crimes committed by their forebears, at least if the crimes are atrocious enough. Descendants may be very far removed, both in place and in time, and indeed in culpability, from the act itself, and yet it may be haunted by the revenant past. For example, the rants in the walls, the lurking fear, author German, Ger German, yeah, Germine, the alchemist, the shadow over Innsmouth, 
The Doom That Came to Sarnath, and The Case of Charles Dexter Ward. Next theme is Fate. Often in Lovecraft's works, the protagonist is not in control of his own actions or finds it impossible to change course. Many of his characters would be free from danger if they simply managed to run away. However, this possibility either never arises or somehow curtailed by some outside force, such as in The Color of Outer Space. Often his characters are subject to compulsive influence from powerful, malevolent, or indifferent beings. As with the inevitability of one's ancestry, eventually even running away or death itself provides no safety, as seen in The Outsider. In some cases, this doom is manifest in the entirety of humanity and no escape is possible at all, as is seen in The Shadow Out of Time. Civilization Under Threat Lovecraft was familiar with the work of the German conservative revolutionary theorist Oswald Spengler, whose pessimistic thesis of the decadence of the modern West formed a crucial element in Lovecraft's overall anti-modern worldview. Spenglerian imagery of cyclical de decay in present is present in particular in At the Mountains of Madness, S.T. Joshi, in H.P. Lovecraft, The Decline of the West, places Spengler at the center of the discussion of Lovecraft's political and philosophical ideas. Lovecraft wrote to Clark Ashton Smith in 1927, It is my belief, and was so long before Spengler put his seal of scholarly proof on it, that our mechanical and industrial age is one of the frank is one of frank decadence. Lovecraft was also acquainted with the writings of another German philosopher of decadence, Frederick Nietzsche. Lovecraft frequently dealt with the idea of civilization struggling against dark, primitive barbarism. In some stories, this struggle is on an individual level. Many of his protagonists are cultured, highly educated men who are gradually corrupted by some obscure and feared influence. In such stories, the curse is often a hereditary one, either because of interbreeding with non-humans or through direct magical influence. Physical and mental degradation often come together. This theme of tainted blood may represent concerns relating to Lovecraft's own family history, particularly the death of his father due to what Lovecraft must have suspected to be a syphilitic, syphilitic disorder. In other tales, an entire society is threatened by barbarism. Sometimes a barbarism comes as an external threat, with a civilized race destroyed in war, e.g. Polaris. Sometimes an isolated pocket of humanity falls into decadence and atavism of its own accord, e.g. the lurking fear. But most often, such stories involve a civilized culture being gradually undermined by malevolent underclass influenced by inhumane forces, inhuman forces. Race, Ethnicity, and Class Race is the most controversial aspect of Lovecraft's legacy, expressed in many disparaging remarks against various non-Anglo-Saxon races and cultures in his work. As he grew older, his original Anglo-Saxon racial worldview softened into classism or elitism, which regarded the superior race to include all those self-ennobled through high culture. From the start, Lovecraft did not hold all white people in uniform high regard, but rather esteemed the English people and those of English descent. He praised non-WASP groups such as Hispanics and Jews. However, his private writings on groups such as Irish Catholics, German immigrants, and African Americans were consistently negative. 
Some have interpreted his racial attitude as being more cultural than brutally biological. Lovecraft shows sympathy to those who adopt the Western culture, even to the extent of marrying a Jewish woman who he viewed as well assimilated. While Lovecraft's racial attitude has been seen as directly influenced by society of his day, especially the New England society he grew up in, his racism appeared stronger than the general popular viewpoint. Some researchers also note that his racial views failed to change with those of American society. Risks of a Scientific Era At the turn of the 20th century, humanity's increased reliance upon science was both opening new worlds and solidifying understanding of ours. Lovecraft portrays this potential for a growing gap of man's understanding of the universe as a potential for horror, most notably in the color of out of space, where the inability of science to comprehend a contaminated meteorite leads to horror. In a letter to James F. Morton in 1923, Lovecraft specifically pointed to Einstein's theory on relativity as throwing the world into chaos and making cosmos and making the cosmos a jest. In a letter to Woodburn Harris in 1929, he speculated that technological comforts risk the collapse of science. Indeed, at a time when men viewed science as limitless and powerful, Lovecraft imagined alternative potential and fearful outcomes. Religion Lovecraft's works are ruled by several distinct pantheons of deities, actually aliens worshipped as such by humans, who are either indifferent or actively hostile to humanity. Lovecraft's, Lovecraft's actual philosophy has been termed cosmic indifference, and, is, and this is expressed in his fiction. Several of Lovecraft's stories of the Old Ones propose alternate mythic human origins in contrast to those found in the creation stories of existing religions, expanding on a natural world view. For instance, in Lovecraft's At the Mountains of Madness, it is proposed that humankind was actually created as a slave race by the Old Ones, and that life on Earth as we know it evolved from scientific experiments abandoned by the Elder Things. Superstition In 1926, famed magician escapist Harry Houdini asked Lovecraft to ghostwrite a treatise exploring the topic of superstition. Houdini's unexpected death later that year halted the project, but the cancer of superstition was partially completed by Lovecraft, along with collaborator C. M. Eddy Jr. A previously unknown manuscript of the work was discovered in 2016 in a collection owned by a magic shop. The book states, all superstitious beliefs are relics of a common prehistoric ignorance in humans, and goes on to explore various superstitious beliefs in different cultures at times. Um, and I think we'll leave it there, because I think this episode already has been going on for 24 or 25 minutes. So, I hope you guys had fun exploring and learning about H.P. Lovecraft um, in this ASM article. Um... If you have suggestions on what I should read next, send a quick email to hello at sleepandrelaxasmr.com. I encourage you to check out our newsletter, sign up for our newsletter, and check out our Patreon page. Uh, newsletter subscribers and Patreon uh, backers get first dibs on um, what episodes the show makes heading forward because we've been getting so many requests. It's you know, it's only fair to give newsletter subscribers and Patreon backers the. Um, the first call, let's say, or the first choice. But, um, yeah, for more details, you can also check out our website, which is sleepandrelaxasmr.com.
that's all for this episode. Thanks for listening. Um, and uh, until next time, take care. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Sleep and Relax ASMR. This is just a friendly reminder. If you visit dstld.com and use promo code ASMR checkout, you're going to get 10% off your first order. And that's just because you're a great listener of the show. So that's distilled. It's dstld.com, promo code ASMR, 10% off your first order. Thanks again, and take care.